episode 29 of the Gambots podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and this is my co-host. It's Christian. On this week's episode, we're going to be discussing the movie Swiss Army Man, the movie Five Feet Apart, the documentary The Inventor, and then in video game news, Borderlands 3 was announced, and we got some DLC information as well as the PlayStation and Xbox free games this month. But first, Christian, I watched Swiss Army Man this week, and have have you either seen this or heard of this movie before? I haven't seen it. I have heard a lot about it, though. Yeah, so this is a 2016 movie starring Paul Dano and, I think more notably, Daniel Radcliffe, a.k.a. Harry Potter. And it is a weird movie. <laughs> the basis of this movie is that Paul Dano, who plays the character Hank is stranded on an abandoned island and we cut to him right as he's about to commit suicide and then eventually Daniel Radcliffe's dead body washes up on the shore and and Daniel Radcliffe plays a character named Manny and after a bit of prodding it, it turns out that the dead body has the ability to fart so forcefully that Hank can ride him like a jet ski like across the ocean to the mainland. <laughs> <laughs> so then once they get to the mainland, Hank carries Daniel Radcliffe's body uh, with him. And then he starts discovering that Daniel Radcliffe has different abilities that can help him get back to civilization. But also uh, Daniel Radcliffe's like dead body starts to come back to life and starts speaking with uh, Hank. Oh man, this thing is a mess. I remember when this first mo- this movie first came out, and it was like reading the review of it. You, you stopped and like this movie can't be real, right? Especially with Harry Potter starring in it. This was one of the first things that he was in after Harry Potter, like had fully concluded. Yeah, the things I remember was he was in Equus at one point, which was this play where he showed his dong. And then this. These are like the two things I know him for other than Harry Potter. Uh, Speaking of that, can you get, do you, have you heard of any of his other powers besides farting? No, I just knew he had like super farts. That was the only thing that I was aware of going in. So one of the powers is he stores a lot of water in his stomach and Hank can like push him to have water come out so he always has water he's drinking it from the dead body uh he's able to like cock Radcliffe's hands or legs or whatever to chop wood or just do powerful strikes and then I mean the farting one's really ridiculous I don't know if it's more ridiculous than this but Radcliffe will get a boner that points them the direction they need to go (laughs) my god I can't believe this movie's real Explaining this movie is one of those things where I was like, "This movie has like this movie has the markings of something I would find hilarious, but it's not really that good." <laughs> yeah, like listening to you talk about this. If I didn't know about this in advance, I would think I was having a stroke. Yeah, it's insane, and and it gets weirder. So as they're going to like uh, trying to get back to civilization. Hank has his phone that's almost dying, but he has a picture of a girl in it, and we find out that Hank's a little bit of basically a loner, sad boy type where he doesn't really talk to girls, he doesn't think anyone, or maybe no one really does seem to love him. He seems alone. 
And so he fantasizes about like this girl he saw on the bus and he had a picture of her on her phone and Daniel Radcliffe saw it and became convinced he was in love with her. And as they're going back, uh, Hank starts dressing up as a girl because that helps Daniel Radcliffe get the boner to point them where they need to go. Um, and then it turns into a love story between Hank and Daniel Radcliffe's dead body where Hank then starts building like full recreations of like the bus and houses and they start partying with wooden dolls and stuff and they kiss and it's it's real weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I wanted to see this. Uh I don't think I still hold that opinion. <laughs> That's the thing, like, I only saw this because Radcliffe was in it, and, and, like, when I saw the previews, I thought it looked like a really interesting premise. It's on Netflix, so if anyone wants to check it out, it's, like, an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, it's it's insane that this is a movie, and, and it, I mean, so, I'm just going to fully spoil this because I, I feel like most people are going to watch this. So, event, <laughs> eventually, like, they get attacked by a bear, and then Radcliffe takes Manny and, you know, they wake up and uh, Daniel Radcliffe had taken Hank to the girl's house that he had fallen in love with. Turns out, like, the girl has a daughter and, like, a family. And then Daniel Radcliffe reverts back to a dead body. And then you're left wondering, like, oh, was, like, this all in Hank's mind or whatever? And he eventually kind of loses it and picks up Daniel Radcliffe's dead body and runs into the woods away from everyone. And then you find out that the entire trek from the water that he came up on, like the ocean and this girl's house is a matter of like five minutes. He was basically build a house down in like the ravine at the bottom of her hill in the woods. Oh my God. And so you're like, Oh, this is like a psychosis thing. (laughs) And, and so like he gets back to the ocean and throws Daniel Radcliffe's body in it. And Radcliffe's still not moving, so you're like, okay, this is clearly psychosis. And then at the end, Daniel Radcliffe starts farting again and goes out to sea, and it baffles everyone. And it baffled me. (laughs) Well, what kind of a reception did this get? Like, what are the reviews on this movie? Rotten Tomatoes had this at 70%, which I could not believe. That's astounding. I mean, it all, it had a $3 million budget, and it made $5 million, uh, so it made its money back. But this is, it was such a weird movie, it was hard to get through, and I, just, I cannot believe this had a theatrical release. Like, Daniel Radcliffe is the only reason this got a theatrical release. I was just going to say, without seeing it, I, get, I can guarantee $2.9 million of that $3 million budget was paying Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, I, like... <laughs> I mean, I can see how they kept it down. Most of it was literally shot in the woods with the furniture they made from tree branches. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, it's like one of those things where I thought, like, when I was watching it, I felt like this movie is trying to have a deeper meaning. And if I was in, like, high school or something, I bet this is one of those, like, weird movies I would have really enjoyed trying to unpack. But as an adult, I just think it's a slog to get through, and I think any greater meaning they have just gets lost with how weird this is and the fact that they have Daniel Radcliffe with farting abilities and boner abilities. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, So I would not recommend this movie. Um, (laughs) If you really like Daniel Radcliffe, then check it out. Or if this premise was... So weird to you that you thought you ha- you would have to check it out. It is on Netflix. 
I feel like this is a how did this get made movie, except they've had Daniel Radcliffe on that show. So I don't know if they would rail on his movie or not. (laughs) This week, Christian, you saw the newly released Five Feet Apart. What did you think of it? Uh, all right, so I included this in our outline just because I hadn't seen the couple of things that I wanted to get to this week, and I was like, yeah, I watched this because I was bored on one of the weekday nights. I didn't think I was going to have a whole lot to say about it, but that might not be the case. We'll see. <laughs> uh, it It is a new young adult romance with a twist movie. Uh, it's It's the newest in the weirdly specific line of uh, we're in love, even though we're both dying of a terminal disease kind of movie that's been like weirdly popular lately. So it's it's in the vein of like The Fault in Our Stars, which was a massively popular one a few years ago. Uh, what disease do they have? They have cystic fibrosis. It, ha- it follows three characters mainly, and they all have this disease and they're living together in like the, the hospital ward that treats it. So it's it's a lung disease. I guess that that leaves your lungs weakened, or uh, I, don't, I don't know if they're damaged somehow. But you're basically very susceptible to infection, and so you can't really spend any time close to other people with this disease in case you like swap infections, and then you'll lose a chance for a lung transplant or whatever else is going to go on. I, I'm of two minds of, about this movie, so I guess I'll start with the positive which is i'm glad this movie addressed the disease like it did what do you mean Uh, by that it so the the main character has like a a youtube channel in the movie where she just talks about the disease and its implications and the different aspects of living with it and so that was interesting like i i'd heard of this i'd heard of cystic fibrosis but i'd never actually knew what it was or like what any of the implications of of the disease actually were and so it was interesting to get a a little bit of a dive into that and so the movie does kind of raise awareness which is good uh if for no other reason than i like learning things um but (laughs) really everything else is just kind of flat so this is at its core so I, i guess i'll move from there into the negative then this is at its core another movie like all the others, like I had said, it's in this weirdly specific subgenre that's sprung up. And so there's been Fault in Our Stars. There's, there was a movie called Everything, Everything. There was The Walk to Remember, Love and Other Drugs, Moulin Rouge. Like These are all movies about we can't be together because one of the rest of us is dying from something. Wait, you're putting Moulin, like the 2000s Moulin Rouge is in that category? Yeah, I mean, she she has tuberculosis, right? And that's why they can't be together anymore. Yeah, I I guess like that's not what springs to my mind though when you you say like this. Yeah, I mean, I guess that one's a reach, but it was like I I, had, I was struggling to come up with uh, like I knew there was a bunch of them lately, and that that was on the list that I had I had found about this kind of stuff. But yeah, that, I that's okay. Sorry, I just, I was just like. What? <laughs> Anyway, uh, so this is kind of like a a teenage wish fulfillment fantasy movie where the kid knows everything about themselves and about life, and they're 100% sure 
what they're going to want 10, 15 years from now, even though they don't really know anything about anything. And I, I feel this way about a lot of movies where the, it centers around like teenagers who are really just so sure of themselves. And as a teenager who is super so- sure of himself, I can confirm you don't know anything about what you're talking about when you're this age. It, it drives me crazy. So the the nurse character in this is borderline vilified a couple of times because she's just trying to keep these two kids apart because if they touch, they could like inadvertently kill each other, basically. Or he could kill her is, is I guess, the, the more accurate because he has this infection that she doesn't and if she catches it she loses her chance at a lung transplant yeah and it's one of those instances where i'm sure in the movie they're like oh we just want to touch once but it's like you when you're in a relationship you just don't touch the person one time and it's done like you're going to eventually you're playing the odds and you're eventually going to get that yeah and so they're like well we can be together we just won't touch or we will we won't be close so the movie's called five feet apart because they're not allowed to be within six feet of each other but she decides that she's gonna steal a foot back and so they're gonna be five feet apart forever i guess is the plan and so the nurse keeps trying to keep them apart because she wants them not to die and for that she's painted as like a half antagonist in the movie which is very frustrating so do they learn from this because this sounds like a dangerous lesson to be teaching people. I'm sure if you have cystic fibrosis, you know you know the dangers and whatnot. But it just seems like a dangerous lesson to be pushing. Uh, I'm gonna say, not really. Like, Man. I I guess like, w- without getting like too spoilery, one of them kind of figures out the right way to handle the situation and kind of takes control and the other one is just kind of left like i don't know why it had to be this way but yeah it was it was frustrating in a lot of parts like kids listen to your parents when they tell you to chill out about stuff because nothing's as important as it seems like it is in the moment ever yeah, I mean, I agree with that sentiment. It's just like hard. I it's I think that's one of those things you just got to live through and then look back on and be like cringe at yourself for. Yeah, like this is this is a movie where this situation would never happen because the parents would be there being like, "No, we're going to move you to another hospital if you think that you're going to have this other this boyfriend with this disease. Like you're not we're not going to let you kill each other." But a, the the parents in this movie are, ooh, the mom's in it maybe five minutes, and the dad's in it less than one. So the parents are basically completely absent, which leaves, like I said, the 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 uh, the naysayer to be the nurse who they spend the entire movie trying to circumvent and like dodge. Jeez, it's one of those things. Like, what if you killed the other person? You'd feel horrible. Yep. And that's, and yeah, like I said, that's kind of where it comes down at the end is, is like, oh man, I can't believe we were this dumb. And so the one person just kind of is like peace. And the other one's like, I can't believe he thinks we're being dumb. (laughs) It it was, so it was, it was a lot Uh, on the whole. I would not really recommend this. I guess if you're into this kind of a movie, you'll probably really enjoy it. So 
the Rotten Tomatoes kind of reflects that sentiment. It's a 54% from the critics and an 80% from the audience, which is a huge gap. But yeah. I'm not really surprised by that at all. I am surprised that Rotten Tomatoes has Swiss Army Man higher than this. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the much bigger surprise. But yeah, I think 54% is probably about what this deserves. That, that might even be a little generous. Um, but the 80%, I'm sure, is coming from like uh, teenage girls and their moms who just came and watched this because it was what it was. Like it's, it's the fault in our stars. It's everything, everything. It's, it's just the same plot all over again. And it did have uh, Cole Sprouse, who I wasn't aware was as popular as he is. I think he's in uh, Riverdale. And so he, that had a big draw, just crowd size-wise. I was going to say, I've heard of him before, but I, I could not place what he was in off the top of my head. Also directed by a guy that, not, nothing really to his name. <laughs> As a kid, Cole Sprouse was one of the twins in Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Okay, that's why I know him, because I think I saw some meme about him ripping on someone. <laughs> but yeah, that makes sense. Because when he said that name, I was like, I feel like he has a Justin Bieber mop top. Yes, he definitely used to. Okay. Um, but, I mean, money-wise, this movie's making a lot. And I'm, again, not surprised by that at all. It's it's a formula that the studio knows is going to succeed, especially with the, the cast that they got. So it, its budget was $7 million. So far, it's made 35 almost $36 million. It's ranked fourth right now. And that's really only because it came out a couple weeks ago. So it, it made over five times its budget back already. Wow. I mean, this is, I think, you know, you're saying that it seems to be a subgenre. This kind of reminds me of the horror subgenre where you can make it for relatively low budget and make your budget back, you know, a couple times over, even with a mild performance. Not saying the $35 million is bad, but, you know, it's not Avengers numbers. <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, objectively bad or not, and I think it is, uh, this, this was basically a guaranteed win for the studio, so I'm, I'm not at all surprised by these numbers. So I am guessing you would not recommend people to go check it out. No, like I said, if, if you're into this, like if you like all the other movies that fall into this category, then go for it. I'm sure you'll love it. But, I mean, if you're just looking for... Like, if you're out on a Saturday and you're like, oh, what should we watch? Maybe skip past this one. This week, Christian, you watched the HBO document The Inventor. What What is that? It's wild, is what it is. So it's a documentary about a woman named Elizabeth Holmes and her company Theranos. Theranos? which is a, a mashup of therapy and diagnosis, if I'm remembering correctly. And it's uh, it's another scam story, because we love a good true crime scam story on this podcast and in general. So it's kind of the next big thing that's, that's swept certain corners of the internet after the Firefest documentaries, which we talked about, and the Abducted in Plain Sight documentary, which we talked about. So... Her deal was she dropped out of school and decided to start a company that would revolutionize the like lab testing industry by being able to test for 200 different diseases through 
an amount of blood you could get from like a finger poke instead of an an IV blood draw. So Elizabeth Holmes, correct me if I'm wrong, is she the one who went under got like flack a couple months ago for speaking in a much lower voice? Yes, that is definitely her. Okay, I knew like I heard this name recently. Wow, lot lot going on in her life. Yeah, so she's I mean she's currently in court dealing with this situation. She's pled not guilty, but essentially she made this company. She said she had this device that she had dreamed up called the Edison that would be able to test blood in these tiny, tiny samples. Uh, and you wouldn't have to do like an IV blood draw anymore. You could just do a finger prick like for a, like a diabetes, like blood sugar test kind of thing. And literally every expert that she talked to told her that this was completely impossible, that you can't use such a tiny amount of blood to test for really anything, let alone 200 different things at once. And she just kind of told them to shut up and dream with her, basically. It, it, she had people from the engineering department coming, her, coming to her and telling her that the, the box that she wanted to put this device in, the dimensions of it were basically impossible to make something that could fit in these dimensions that could do this. Just from a like a physics thermodynamic standpoint, it couldn't be done, and so she told that guy to shut up and basically like pushed him out and rehired somebody that would tell her what she wanted to hear. It got so bad that one of the um, one of the advisors that she had kept telling her that this wasn't going to work, this wasn't going to work, and she kept like pushing him further and further out of the main circle of the company, and then. He was going to file a lawsuit and ended up committing suicide because he just couldn't handle like the stress of being in this situation. Man, you know, you know, we really ragged on Billy McFarland for Fire Festival and, you know, reprehensible dude. But at the end of the day, he stole hedge fund money and no one really got hurt like this woman is really putting people's lives at risk who are who are relying on this technology. Yeah, so there's two there's two halves to this. Like it's true like Firefest was kind of innocuous. You, you stole a bunch of money from a bunch of kids who didn't know what to do with all the money they had. And nobody was ever in, in any real danger. They just had to spend the night in those hurricane shelters or whatever they were. Whereas this is something a lot more serious because yeah you're testing blood you're doing lab results to tell if people have diseases and what ended up bringing the company down eventually was that the the results were coming back wrong they were getting tested here with the edison or i i mean they were getting told they were being tested by the edison when in reality they weren't because the edison couldn't exist and then they were getting tested elsewhere through like an actual company and the results were coming back not the same and so that's what eventually brought the spotlight down on them but there's there's so many different facets to this story it's it's kind of like the story that never ends the the other side of it is that you never get the feeling even with all of these interviews because they never interview her specifically for this documentary they use a bunch of footage of other interviews with her but you get the feeling through all the interviews they do of the people around her that she never had malicious intent. Like she wasn't out to just make money. 
it was more a situation of she just kept telling lie after lie after lie to stall until she could finally get this thing to work, which was just never going to happen. And you got the sense that she never really believed that this was a pipe dream. Like she always thought that they were just, just out of reach of being able to make this thing work. Yeah. You said she's in a court case. I mean, granted she didn't have malicious intent, but you're, she's going to be put on like at the very least a reasonable person standard and she's going to hit, get hit with negligence for how she's she's like misleading people regardless of if she believes it a reasonable person would not believe you know with all the information she was getting that this could happen like she 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 is in trouble in this court case yeah she's i i know they said it was fraud and it was uh one or two other things and her and the other guy who was in charge of the company both pleaded not guilty so We'll see how it shakes out, I guess. Like, I, I can't imagine it's going to be anything other than awful, especially because she had some high-level people involved in this company as, like, board members. Uh, the Secretary of Defense up till the beginning of this year, James, Jim Mattis, was a board member for a while. Henry Kissinger was a board member for a while. She had a bunch of Silicon Valley guys who were board members. And as, as time went on, each of them kind of decided – no, nah, I'm out, and they kind of stepped away. And I think when when they started jumping ship, she lost a lot of protection that she had had in like an, an oversight way. Yeah, I mean that is just that's ridiculous. You, you there's a certain point where you cannot keep just promising stuff that you know is impossible. Like that's on that is on her. It's a good idea, at, you know, in theory, but. You have to be practical at some point. And you said she was a college dropout. Was her major even in like biology or anything like that? I can't honestly remember. I think it might have just been for business. But yeah, like the, like I said, there's just there's layer after layer to this. Like they partnered with Walgreens because they were going to send every Walgreens in the world an Edison so that people could just order their own blood tests and just go up and have it done like it was a normal thing. And then they had to like back out and start doing IV draws at Walgreens because like I said, the Edison didn't exist. So these people were going up and expecting to just get a finger prick and then they were having to get real blood drawn and they were throwing a fit. And so as, as the, the card castle started to fall apart, they managed to raise, I think they said $900 million. Ooh. And over the course of like the next two years, it all disappeared because 300 million alone went to just settling lawsuits and refunding all the patients in Arizona for the Walgreens where they set them up. It was, it's just crazy. Could you imagine going for a test and then having to get, give blood in a Walgreens? Like I want to try, I don't, I don't want to give blood about some serious disease I might have in a Walgreens. Yeah, well, that was the, the, one of the things they, they had to hire this woman to drive around Arizona and basically train these Walgreens employees to draw blood correctly. If I was a Walgreens employee, I wouldn't want to draw blood. Like, you're, you know, you're a farm <laughs> tech or whatever. You're not like, oh, learning, to, you know, like I'm, I'm taking blood now. Yeah, it was it was crazy. This was an, an interesting documentary because the first half of it focused mostly on her and about her vision and her like her charisma and how she was able to get these people to agree to these things and a lot of the people they interviewed were like worshipful and it was kind of weird to to watch but then the second half of it was just about the the scam and how everything started to fall apart and that's when it got interesting because 
just watching them try to scramble to to like stay one step ahead of the Wall Street Journal or whoever was publishing articles about them. The journal came out with a, a story that basically said like everything she's told you is nonsense. You guys need to get out while you can. Don't nobody go do this. And she was on TV like the next day, like the Wall Street Journal's lying. Don't believe them. Yeah, man. I feel like if your company is so dependent on one person just being a charismatic, essentially cult leader, uh, you're not necessarily in a good position uh, with your money right there. If Especially if that's like your driving force. I can understand if it's just the face and you have like a whole network set up behind the scenes. But if, you know, she seems like she's running everything and does is not doing the right thing. Like, man, oh my gosh, that's insane. Yeah, they described the company, the, the one... Uh, ex-employee described the company as being a carpet world and a tile world. And in the tile world was the lab and everybody knew that like the world was falling apart around them. Like everybody knew that this was a sinking ship. And then you would walk to the other side of the building to like the business end and she would convince you that everything was perfect. And everybody over there was still like fully on board. Oh man. They said, like, they stopped departments from working with each other. They were monitoring everything you said to other employees. And, and so since they stopped people from talking to each other, nobody could really get a sense of the scale of how bad things were. I mean, number one, if you're working in a company and they're like, do not talk to the other department, that's a red <laughs> flag, man. Like, how many com- how many successful companies implement a do not speak to someone in your own like company that's just that's a red flag to me yeah i think for a lot of people it was kind of like the frog in boiling water situation where when they started everything was fine and then over time more and more of these like crazy like hush hush policies got implemented until and like by the time you realize something's wrong like the one person said that she was being keylogged so literally everything she typed into her computer was being monitored by somebody she would email someone and not cc like the ceo and she would get a response from them so like they knew their email was being monitored like it was wild man uh would you recommend this oh yeah for sure because this is still ongoing like i remember when this story broke last year and, and they were talking about the the crazy woman who came up with this blood test scam and so when they when i saw that hbo did a documentary about it i was excited for it yeah i'm gonna have to check this out this sounds like something right up my alley when news came out like last week, I think that she's engaged now. Huh. Just in time for Joe. That's <laughs> what so somebody on Twitter. It was a news article. It was like Elizabeth Holmes is engaged. What do we know about her fiance? And somebody on Twitter wrote, "We know he doesn't have an HBO subscription." <laughs> That's good. To video game news, Borderlands 3 was announced last week in PAX East, and I know we've talked about Borderlands a little bit on this show, Christian, so I, we don't really have to talk a ton about it, but um, so they basically just released a trailer for Borderlands 3. It looks pretty cool. It doesn't look like it's actually strayed too far from Borderlands 2. The art style is still the same, and I'm interested to see how this story goes because we talked previously about um, the game Tales from the Borderlands, how it drastically changes the world. And I'm curious to see if that will be canon. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You're not really a Borderlands guy, are you? 
No, I had tried the first game a couple of times, and I, I don't know what it was. I never really got into it. Maybe I, like, I should probably try it again now that I'm diving back into video games. We'll see. Yeah, eh, it's like one of those things. This is one I'm definitely going to have to wait on the reviews for. I really like the first Borderland, which is actually getting a remaster. They also announced that. But I didn't love Borderlands 2 all that much. I never even really finished the game. It just seemed like too much... Um, gr- too too grindy or something. I, I I couldn't get into it, but I did really like the Telltale game, Tales from the Borderlands, because I did like the story in that one. So, I'll uh, I'll see on this one if I if I jump back into it or not. Uh, once I get some reviews on it or see some more previews. I know I have a bunch of friends that are gonna be real excited about this. I have three or four friends that really love the Borderlands. Yeah, it's like one of those things. If you like the game, you you most people really like it. Like they're into it. They have raid bosses at the end and stuff. And you're you know, it's a looter shooter. You're getting a lot of different guns. Their big uh, marketing on this one is there's over one billion guns in the game. So some form of combination of guns. They're you know huge huge number. And then some people I read online were disappointed by the reveal and were saying it was just looked like expansion Borderland two. But I think you got to give this some time. We didn't really see any gameplay, so I don't think anyone should be jumping to conclusions until they at least either see gameplay or get to do a demo or something like that. Yeah. In other video game news, Bruce Campbell will be reprising his role as Ash Williams in the upcoming DLC for the game Dead by Daylight. And I haven't really played Dead by Daylight, but this actually made me think of an interesting topic Christian, which movie character would you like to see become either DLC of a video game or that would be in a video game that, you know, it's not a video game about that character. They just make a cameo. Oh, man, that's tough. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe because it's just on my mind because we had just mentioned it uh, as we were starting the recording, but maybe you you Jackman's Van Helsing. Ooh. Oh, that's right. Is this Hugh Jackman? I thought, wait, is it? I thought it was Vigo. No, it's Hugh Jackman. No, dude, I was so wrong. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I, there was actually a Van Helsing game, though, for the PS2, I think. Yeah. I I always jump to Lord of the Rings when I think about movies first, and but they're, like, they've made so many Lord of the Rings games now. I, I feel like that doesn't really count. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see Jon Snow in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Sean Bean's character <laughs> in the two Sean Beans. <laughs> no, um, my two big ones actually. Bruce Campbell's up there just because I'm a huge fan of the Evil Dead series and Army of Darkness, and they did get their own Evil Dead games. But I somewhat have considered picking up this game just to check it out. But my act, I think my actual answer for something that does not exist is, I think. Vin Diesel as Dominic Toretto in like a GTA or Just Cause game would be awesome. Put him in anything. Or or like Hobbs from uh, The Rock's character from any of the Fast and Furious is like, I would love it if it was just like I was walking through Horizon Zero Dawn and one of the mugs that I had to find had just had The Rock on it. That would be awesome. Yeah, just anyone really from <laughs> the Fast and Furious universe. <laughs> I mean, the obvious, I think, would be like Need for Speed or something like that. But, dude, if you have Toretto in a game, you definitely need a button dedicated to you just pushing him and him talking about family. (laughs) Yes. 
Uh, I, uh, those are those 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 are the ones that I thought would be pretty awesome of just characters who should not be in games. Yeah, that would be fun. Family, it's important. Brian, we're family. <laughs> I gotta rewatch those movies. I cannot wait till uh, Hobbs and Shaw or whatever the one with Diesel and uh, or The Rock and um, Jason Statham comes out. My God, I know. It's like top three movies I'm excited for this year are Endgame, Hobbs and Shaw, and Frozen 2. I am like way more excited for Hobbs and Shaw than I am Endgame. <laughs> I love those oh movies. <laughs> they're so insane. They're the only movies I will go see like a midnight showing for because they're so ridiculous. We just updated the trailer pack of uh, previews that we show in the lobby at work here, and, and it's got... Hobbs and Shaw on there. Every time I hear the the little jingle at the beginning of the trailer, I'm like, oh yes. No customers <laughs> better come in. I'm watching this now. Nice. In our final gaming news, the PlayStation Plus and Xbox Games with Gold free games for this month have been announced. So for PlayStation Plus is Conan Exile and The Surge. And I know you just got your system, Christian. These are a little bit older, but have you heard of either of these games? I've not. I I meant to. Uh, I'm I'm. Meaning on checking them out when I get home tonight, I kind of dawned on me halfway through the game that this was a new month now. Yeah, uh, I don't know much about The Surge. I looked at it, it looks kind of generic, so I, I, I don't know if I could recommend it or not. Conan Exile actually looked pretty cool when it came out. So Conan Exile, I know this game because they apparently have a they have a character editor or character creator, and uh, they have a very detailed penis creator in it. <laughs> So there's that on that one if anyone's interested. I think it's supposed to be like an MMO or something or D&D style where you play with other people in it. But yeah, that's that's the only thing I remember about that game. I think it was generally well-received otherwise. Yeah. Uh, and then Xbox Games with Gold, they are releasing the Technomancer, Outcast, Second Contact, Star Wars Battlefront 2 from the, the original Xbox uh, game, and Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon. Of those, I heard the Technomancer is pretty cool. I never played it. Don't know much about Outcast, but Star Wars Battlefront 2 for like the original Xbox was a pretty good game. I had Battlefront 2, yeah. I liked it. Yeah, that, that was a fun one. Um, I know a lot of people are really disappointed with the newer Battlefront from, I believe, 2017. Or sorry, Battlefront 2 from 2017. And, you know, you'd see all these memes about like how Battlefront 2 had way more stuff in it. So I know it's generally positively received on the internet. All right, now it's time for our Amazon review game. Just a quick recap on the rules. I'm going to read a five-star Amazon review for a movie. Christian will get two yes or no questions to help him narrow down what the movie is. He can then request me to... Read another review, he'll get two more yes or no questions, and then can request a third review, and then we'll get two more questions, and then has to guess. Christian, are you ready? I am ready. I, on average, buy six to seven horror movies a month on DVD or Blu-ray, and probably watch two to three movies every two days, most of which are horror slash thriller. I'm well-versed in the genre. And although this is not the scariest movie, the goriest movie, the highest production value, 
or the lowest B-movie retro chic production value. This movie is what it is, and it does it so perfectly. It is deeply satisfying and enjoyable watch from start to finish. It's also an amazingly insightful movie that made even myself sit back and reflect on my own thoughts and actions day to day. Don't pass this film up. It's guaranteed to become a classic that is talked about for decades to come. Ooh, man. Horror movie. Hmm. Is this movie from 2010 or, or, or sooner? So do you mean between 2010 and now or before 2010? Yes. 2010 and now. Yes, it is between 2010 and now. It was released between 2010 and now. Is this movie part of a larger series? Uh, no, not officially. Hmm. Then I'm going to need another review. Yeah. Hands down the best movie of 2017. The Shape of Water was good, but this movie is great. Don't miss it. For those viewers who think they won't like it because there is a horror component, fear not. I thought the same and was talked into seeing it by the universal nagging from everyone. I know who who had seen it. I liked it so much I may watch it again. Holy crap. So just uh, just based on what that one is, is this movie straight horror? I would not I don't it's not straight horror in the traditional horror sense. But I think it would be classified as a like horror thriller mystery. Man, I think I'm going to kick myself when I hear this. Uh, man, I don't even have another uh, uh Yeah, you know, just go ahead and give me one more review. Okay. All I can say is Civil Rights meets the Stepford Wives in a very unexpected way. I love the lead character, Chris. Additionally, Catherine Keenan picks a very interesting role. I should have realized what was coming when I realized she was in the film. I was uncomfortable during the whole movie because the inability of white characters to speak to Chris as a man rather than a black man and treat him like a human being rather than a black human being. Uh, Get out. Yes. Oh, man, I can't believe that came out in 2017. I thought it was just last year. Oh, uh, let's see. It is definitely 2017, but it might have been. When was its theatrical release? No, February 24th, 2017. Yeah, I'm just bad with time. (laughs) I haven't actually seen it, so I, I, I don't think it's like a traditional horror movie, but everyone I talk to, I believe, says it's a horror movie. Yeah, I I haven't seen it either, to be honest. But uh, oh, I'm it, sorry, it, Christian. I I thought you would have. You you know, I wanted to. It just kind of never happened for me. Yeah, and, and now then, the sorry. his new one is out now. Um, Us, which I've also heard is outstanding. Yeah, well, that's what made me think of doing it because I was like, oh, I I don't think they're in the same universe, but I actually don't know. Yeah, no, I think they're, as far as I know, they're completely separate. Yeah, I, I definitely should have gotten it, I, especially with how much I've been talking about us and Get Out in the past week and a half. All right, guys, thanks for checking out our episode. Before we head out, Christian, what are you going to be checking out this week? Uh, Well, Shazam comes out this week, uh, so I'm probably going to watch that. That's the new superhero uh, DC movie. 
as I think it's supposed to be part of the DC extended universe. Like I, I think it's supposed to feed into like Justice League stuff, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I guess I'll find out this week. Um, other than that, there's a movie with Alison Brie and Samuel L. Jackson coming out that isn't Captain Marvel called Unicorn Store. That's a Netflix original. I'm probably going to try and watch that. That comes out on the 5th. And uh, I finished Horizon Zero Dawn, at least the story. I still have, I think, three trophies left to pick up. Um, so I'll, I'll probably try to finish platinuming that and then maybe move on to Spider-Man. Cool. We should uh, talk about Horizon next week if you, whenever you finish up with it. Yeah, I, I I finished the whole story. I'm I'm trying to work through the ultra hard new game plus now. Oh, dude, you're going for like the DLC stuff. Yeah. This week I am continuing watching Marvel movies. I am up to Thor, and I'm hoping to get through. I think Iron Man three is on my list. Um, by the end of the week, I am going out of town this weekend, so that might stymie my ability to do so. Uh, otherwise, I've been watching the past season of Broad City. My roommate has it on, had bought it, so we've been watching that. It's been pretty good. I've been watching some Trailer Park Boys, which is a great show if no one's ever watched it. I'm probably never going to review it just because I watch it so sporadically. I don't, I don't know if I could give a true <laughs> review of it, but it's, it's very funny. And then otherwise, I'm still working my way through Nier Automata. I'm almost done with my second playthrough, and then I'll be going on to my third one and then any cleanup. So I'm, it's pretty pretty fun game. Uh, I'm excited to talk about it once I finish it. I was hoping to finish it this week, but because I'm out of town, I, I don't know if I actually will be able to or not. Nice. All right, guys, thanks for checking out our episode. If you want to contact us to give us a suggestion for Amazon, the Amazon review game, you can reach us at Twitter. We are at Gambots Network, or you can email us at gambots.blog at gmail.com. All right, guys, thanks for uh, checking us out. Thank you.